Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. If you're, if you're new here, if you haven't been a few weeks, we started a series a few weeks ago uh, on faith, God's delivery system, uh, and we're going to continue that today. Today's part three of that series. I'll take a really quick minute and read the scripture that was kind of the foundation scripture for this series. And again, you don't have to flip through uh, in your Bibles. I'm just going to read through some things to start off. We're actually going to read quite a bit of scripture just to, to lay some foundation for some things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, the Bible says that his words are life to those that hear it. And I think it can be uh, underestimated the power of just reading scripture at times. And so I can make some uh, a point or a, a bullet point or an analogy or whatever. But when you connect it to the word of God, the, the scriptures, it just seems to do something different in your heart. So we're going to read some scriptures. We'll start in Ephesians chapter 2. Here's where we've started every week. It says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I, I say this every week. But I just think that is incredible that one of the ways God wants to reach the world is he wants to be really, really good to you so they'll want what you have. That's who God is. God's not here to judge you today. He's here to tell you he wants to be really, really good to you today. I think that's fascinating. Uh, starting in verse 8 right here is where we get the, the, the meat of it here. It says, for it is by grace, say by grace, you have been saved through faith. Say through faith. And it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And so what we've, what we've been talking about is kind of this this, um, this principle laid out through such a sort, uh, just a few words. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. Uh, what Jesus did on the cross, the finished work of Jesus on the cross, that's, a, that's something you'll, you'll hear us say a lot uh, around, around here, the finished work of Jesus. Why do y'all say the finished work of Jesus on the cross? What were the last words Jesus spoke on the cross? It is finished. What was finished? Any reason for you to be ashamed, any reason for you to feel guilty, all of your sins were taken care of. But not only that, all of heaven, when Jesus said it is finished, since there was no longer a barrier between us and God, he took care of the, of the barrier, everything that heaven has to offer came, ava- came available to us as soon as he said it is finished. Grace and what Jesus did on the cross made everything that heaven has available to you and us today. So it's by grace. That's what's in the reservoir, if you will. Everything that heaven has to offer. But the, but the point here is it's not just by grace. It comes through the delivery system of faith. And so if, you, if there is no faith, you'll never enjoy what God came. All of heaven is there. Everything that heaven has to offer is there. But it only can be delivered into our lives through faith. If we increase our faith, so that so the, it would stand to reason, when we increase our faith, we increase how much of heaven we experience. When we increase our faith, if we've got a, a small little two-inch line, we've talked about this, a small little two-inch line uh, of faith, well, that's, about, that's all the grace that can get through there, just a, just a small amount. But when we increase our faith, we increase the flow of heaven into our lives. I'm going to go really quick through this next part because I just want us to answer some questions. I've, I've somewhat answered these the last few weeks. I've quoted these scriptures, but I want us to read them so that we just get them down. 
in our heart. Answer the question, is faith quantifiable? Is it quantifiable? The answer is yes. Romans 12, 3 says this, For I say through the grace given to me, everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than you ought, but to think of himself soberly, as God has dealt to each one of us, what? A measure of faith. So faith can be measured. It is, it is quantifiable. Uh, in, in, we, we heard the story, uh, and I quoted it last week, the centurion, this, this Roman officer, had one of his servants who was sick, and he sent word to Jesus saying, hey, uh, would you heal my, my, my servant? Jesus says, of course. So he, he responds to the servant. He starts heading that direction. But before he even gets to the centurion, the centurion sends another servant or another messenger and says, no, no, no. Tell him, I don't need him to come. I just need him to send his word. I understand the power that he has. I understand that all of heaven is backing what he's saying. If he'll just send the word, just send the word from wherever you're at, my servant will be saved. And so Jesus says, this is Jesus' response to this in Luke chapter 7, verse 9. It says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. So faith can be measured Faith can be great. Well, it only stands the reason if it can be great faith, it can be little faith. You all know the story when Jesus uh, calmed the storm. He tells his disciples, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. In the middle of the night, a storm arises, and they all start freaking out. And, and Jesus wakes up and says this. Well, actually, they, he, he was just trying to get a nap, and they woke him up in Matthew chapter 8, verse 25. And, if he, it, and it's a good thing Jesus isn't like me. Have you ever had your kids wake you up for something that was so important only to find out that was the least important thing that you could have ever told me. And you woke me up for this. That's kind of Jesus' attitude, I think, here. So his disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus responded, why are you freaking out? Why are you afraid? You have what? You have so little faith. Then he got up, rebuked the wind, and suddenly there was a great calm. So you see this, this, this contrast here, this Roman officer who has this great faith, then you've got these disciples, which you'd think, oh, they, surely they had great faith. And Jesus tells them, says, what is wrong with y'all? Y'all have so little faith. And so we start to see faith can be measured. Faith can be great. Faith can be, a li- faith can be small. And if faith is the delivery system to God's, gr- God's grace and, and heaven being available in our lives, would we rather have little faith or great faith? I'll take, I'll take a double order of, of great faith. And, and so the next question you have to ask yourself is, if it can be measured, it can be great, it can be small, is can you increase your faith? Some would, some would try to convince us uh, through some different scriptures that some people are given faith, and whatever, whatever God gives them, that's just how much faith they have. Uh, there's, a, there's a scripture, I can't remember if it's Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12, it's, it's one of the 12s, where God's talking about the, the manifestational gifts of the Holy Spirit, and one of them is the gift of faith. Well, that's not the kind of faith that we're talking about here. It's a supernatural faith. It's a gift. In other words, it's free. It cannot be improved upon. It is perfect faith where God literally gives people in moments supernatural faith to believe for heaven to come in a radical way to this planet. And so that's not the kind of faith that we're talking about. And you can see this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul's talking to the church at Thessalonica, the Apostle Paul, mind you, who had gone around planting different churches, and then he would go around, check in on the churches, say, hey, you're doing great in this area, need a little work in this area, and, and he, would, he would father the churches. And so here's what he said to the church in Thessalonica. He says, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. 
your faith is growing more and more. And the love you have for one another is increasing as well. Therefore, among God's churches, we're bragging about you because of your perseverance in your faith and all the persecutions and trials that you're enduring. So the Apostle Paul, here, this lets us know, uh, even as humans, we can see faith. We can see when faith is big. We can see when faith is small. How many of you guys would be honest enough to admit there have been times in your life when your faith was not very big? It, it, I, man, I'm, I'm struggling in my faith. I've had people come up to me. That's probably one of the things I get all the time is, I'm, Pastor, I'm just struggling. I'm struggling in my faith. I'm struggling in, 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 disbelief, in disbelief. I'm struggling continuing to believe God for, for healing in this area of my life. I haven't seen healing yet. I'm still I'm struggling believing God for my kids. My, my kids are still acting like hooligans. And so uh, we, we, we deal with, with moments like that where we sometimes our faith is really strong and sometimes our faith uh, it can be weak. And so I just, I propose to you that if we want more of heaven in our life, then we have to be intentional about growing our faith. Maybe you guys will understand this. Faith doesn't grow by accident. Faith doesn't grow by accident. Faith doesn't grow just because God wants your faith to grow. How many of you guys believe we might have a part to play in this? We have some things that we can do. One of the things that we get to do and can do and should do is we can look at people who have a great uh, faith record, if you will, and say, okay, Paul said this in Scripture once. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul was a great follower of Jesus, and he said, look, if you're struggling following Jesus, just copy me. <laughs> I'm following him. If you're copying me, you're going to be going the right direction. And so in the area of faith, we can do the same thing. And I thought today, it's interesting, I didn't plan this, but it just worked out perfect. I thought of all the people we could start by looking at their life, their life of faith, and say, let's follow them in their life of faith, was our father of faith, Abraham. Here on Father's Day, we'll talk about the father of our faith, Abraham. Romans 4.16 said it this way, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abram's, Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham. So he's saying there's some things we have access to because of the, if we have the same faith that Abraham has. And then it, I love this. It says he is the father of of us all. So he is, that's where we get this Abram being the father of the faith. And so uh, I, I want to start off where the scriptures start off with, with, his, with his journey in, in Genesis chapter 12. The story of Abram starts in Genesis ch- chapter 12. I'll say this now because I said it in the first service for all you uh, overzealous Bible studiers. Uh, Abram is known as the father of our faith. I think if you'll go back in, in Genesis chapter 11 and look at the last few verses of Genesis chapter 11 and can c- connect some dots. I personally believe that Abram's dad was actually supposed to be the father of our faith. He was on a journey. On this journey, uh, while he was alive, he lost his, one of his sons named Haran. And the Bible says that a- Abram's dad, Terah, took Abram, Sarah, Lot, and he went on a journey to Canaan. And on the way there, they passed through the city of Haran. Haran was the name of the city, but it just so happened to also be the name of his son that died before he should have died. And it says that Terah stayed there and, until he died. And I forget, 200-something years or something like that. But he, ne- he was on his way to Canaan, but he got stuck in Haran. And I would propose to you that God had called him to be the father of our faith, but he got stuck in his grief and his disappointment with what had happened with his son. Can I just tell you this right now? We all have gone through stuff. We have all gone through issues. But God has a plan for your life, and don't allow what, what has happened to you to stop what God wants to do through you. I, I, think that, I think that's just tragic to watch this. Now, can I just say the death? I could not imagine dealing with the death of one of my children. I could not imagine that. 
But I'll tell you what I cannot imagine even more, allowing that to keep me from pursuing God and going after him and trusting him for the rest of my life. You cannot, I, I just feel like there's somebody in here that I, I, I wasn't even gonna share this part, but I just, I feel like there's somebody in here that some things, some very tough things have happened to you. Some very tough things have happened to you. Maybe as a woman, you were, as a, as a young girl or as, a, as, a, as an older girl even, you were, you were raped or molested or something very, very terrible has happened to you. And the Lord is saying, don't let what's happened to you stop what I want to do through you. I just feel like that was a word for somebody in here. So uh, we'll keep on going. Let's just pick up with Abram's life in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. So the Lord has said to Abraham, leave your native country, leave your relatives, and notice he gets specific, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I believe that he got very specific about his father's family, saying, Abram, don't make the same mistake your dad did. We're all going to have disappointments. We're all going to have things that don't go the way we want them to go. I need you to break that off of your life. I've got a call. I need someone to show people what can happen when they trust God and believe. I need you to be that guy. Don't follow in your dad's footsteps in this particular regard. Leave your country, leave your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Can I just say, I would love to have that prophetic word spoken over me. You're going to have so much money, you're going to bless the rest of the world. I sign up for that one. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take that one, Lord. That, that sounds like a, a good one. So the Lord tells him, leave your country. Leave your relatives, specifically your father's relatives. Go to the land that you know not of. Now, I'll just say this. You probably would agree with me. That probably was not an easy thing for him to do. That probably was not an easy thing for him to do. If you understand where he was coming from, you'll see how hard this could have been for him. Abram came from wealth. He actually came from a wealthy family. And it was one of those things where he was literally walking away from everything that was comfortable to him, everything that he knew, and all of his inheritance that he had was rightfully his if he just stuck with the family business. Just, I want you to think about this. If your dad had, was a, had $10 billion in the bank account and God said, hey, I need you to leave all that behind, and you were the only, you were the only child, you were the heir to all of it, and God says, hey, I need you to leave that, I need you to go to work in another country, forget about your inheritance, and I need you to go do some work over here. How many of you guys know that might have been a tough one? Like, Lord, how about I just stick around a little longer, then when dad's gone, we'll section off some of that, and I'll use some of his money to go to this land that I know not of. Doesn't that sound like a much better plan? <laughs> this was not an easy thing for Abram to do. Why? Because God was asking Abram to leave something good to go after something God. Can I just say that? Especially us Westerners, we don't realize sometimes how good we have it. And sometimes it's really easy to get satisfied and stuck and complacent in your good life. Things are good. Things are good. Have you, have you ever noticed your prayer life is better when things are going bad than when things are going good? You ever notice that? You ever notice you come to church less when everything in your life's going good? Why would you need I mean, Hey, we're making more money than we ever made, and we could go to church. You know what, honey? Let's just, we deserve a break. We've been working so hard. Let's take a little vacation. 
Let, let's, let's take the weekend off. You ever notice that? Nobody wants to admit that to their pastor. I'm sorry. It is. Actually, no, we're here every Sunday, Pastor. We love this place, you know. Sometimes things can get so good that you stop needing God. I, I believe with all of my heart when the Bible talks about it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. I don't believe it's, I, I, I know it's not saying that people with money can't go to heaven. I know it's not saying that. What I do believe it is saying is it's very hard for people that have a good life to enter into the kingdom life, the God life, because they're so satisfied with their good that they'd ever risk something to go after God. You know, we're faced with this every day. Do we want good or do we want God? How many times do we not take the risk and not trust God in so many different areas of our life because we're stuck in, ah, things are good. I, I believe that was something Abram was faced with. I, I, I dealt with this once in my own life. I, I, had, I was in a very tough season in my own life where the Lord was kind of asking me to do the same things, that, and it didn't make any sense. Leave your country. Leave your kinfolk. Go to a land that you know not of. And, and I, I remember it was, it was probably one of the hardest seasons of, of our lives. Uh, and in the, se- in the middle of this season, I got this job offer. I was working in the oil field. I was working seven days a week, 14 hours a day, living in a hotel, uh, things were just, it was, I was making money, but barely enough to pay the bills still, and Le- Leanne would come to the hotel uh, about every third day. I would give her my per diem money that I was supposed to be using for, for meals, and she'd go buy groceries with my per diem money. And so things were just, they were just not great. And uh, I got a, a call, a guy wanted me to interview for a job. Uh, and this was, man, I was probably 23, nah, yeah, 23, 24 years old. And um, this guy says, we want to interview for this job. It's a salary job. Comes with a truck. Comes with a, a insurance, full benefits, cell phone, all this stuff. And oh, by the way, we, here's what your job's going to be. We really need you to take care of some of our top customers. So I'm going to need you to go golfing. I'm going to need you to go hunting. I'm going to need you to go fishing. A couple days of work. I mean, a couple days a week, you may have to do some field work and things like that. But I, th- this is kind of what your job's going to look like. Um, how, do you, how do you feel? And I said, well, Jesus is alive. Um, <laughs> You're going to pay me to hunt, fish, and play golf? It's like, where do I sign, you know? And it was just one of those things where it was like a God. I came home to Leanne. I was like, Leanne, this, this is incredible. Uh, this is the, this, I cannot imagine that there's jobs out here like this. And so, um, <laughs> so I said, absolutely, I, I'll take the job. And a couple of days after I accepted the position, uh, I got a call from the owner of the company, and a uh, very successful company, big company. And I got a call from the owner. And he says, hey, we'd like to meet with you one more time. And so they called me in again, and it was kind of some bigwigs, and I was kind of nervous. Like, okay, I, did y'all change your mind? Because it did sound a little too good to be true. And he said, hey, you know, I just want to talk with you one more time. I said, first of all, you got to understand something. We've just offered you more money than people that have been working here for 20 years, so you can't say a word about what we're about to tell you. But when we offered you the position, we just didn't feel like you, you were very happy with, with, the, with the pay or, or something. Is, I mean, is this really what you want? And I said, well, it sounds like exactly what I want. I said, now granted, it's a little less going to salary because I've been working all these overtime hours, so it's, it, the, the numbers aren't exactly the same. He said, but uh, I said, but look, my wife and I figure we can do this, cut that. I can take some side jobs doing. I've got a car wash trader. I can wash, still wash a few cars, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, you know, we just, we just really don't want you to be unhappy. Uh, we, would, you, would, you be, would you feel better if we gave you a raise to the number that you want and maybe not have to do all the car washing? And I said, Jesus is alive. 
So before I even took the job, I got called in and given a raise for this job. And so I called in. I was like, this is, this is, this is a game changer. This is incredible. And so about that time, the Lord began to speak to us uh, about leaving Midland and going to Amarillo to a, to a land that we knew not of. We had no family. We had no reason to go. We just felt like the Lord was saying to go. The only problem was is they wanted to hire Leanne. They just didn't, there wasn't this place, we, the church we were going to work for, they wanted to hire her, but there was no place for me to, to go to work. And so I remember going to this company and saying, hey, is there any way y'all could like give me that same package and, and maybe in the, in the panhandle, is there a job available in the panhandle? And they're like, no, this, this job's just here in Midland. And, and, and I'm stuck in this situation where I know God is speaking, but this job is really good. Do you go after God and risk it all? Or do you settle in your good? I, I'm, I'm very thankful that I had some, some people in my life that helped encourage me to, to take the step of faith and go after the, the things of God. But can I just say, I, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying if you want to grow your faith, it's necessary. We will all come to a place in our lives where God will have been so good to us already. And we, we will say, you know what, Lord, this is, this is good enough. I like where I'm at. I'm comfortable. You've done so much. And right about the time we get there, you know what usually happens? He's like, okay, great. I got something else. I got something more. All of a sudden, this just came up in me. There are some amazing churches all across the world, country. There's amazing churches in in our city. There are tons of amazing churches. And God, man, Lord, help me say this the right way. This is in no way, shape, or form me trying to say our church has something so much better than other churches in our city. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying there are different churches carry different anointings and different graces. And there are some people that are called by God to change churches because God has something more. You have something good, but God has something very God, and you're going to have to take a risk to get it. Can I just say that? How many of you guys believe it's, 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 a, it's, it's a God thing to be able to lay hands on someone who's sick, who maybe even is terminally ill, and see them healed? That's a very God thing. Well, I can tell you, I, I, I know of churches and have been in churches where they're not going after stuff like that. They're not going after it. That's what they're, they're doing. I'm going to trust they're doing what God's called them to do. Let me just say that. And I'm not saying that every time we lay hands on somebody that has a terminal illness, they get healed. But I'll just say we're going after it. Sometimes you have to leave something good to go after something God. I talked to a a lady after the service. She said the first service of the message was such uh, confirmation to her because she is leaving Midland Later in life, mind you, she's leaving Midland to go back to Bible school because she just feels like that there's more. And she's like, I, just, I, I, I have a contract on my house. I've got everything lined up to go back to Bible school. And she's like, I, and it's not because I feel like I'm called to ministry. I just know that there's more. She said, when I first started coming to Renew Life Church four years ago, I didn't know anything about the Bible. And she goes, it has changed my life. She goes, I just feel like the Lord's saying, there's even so much more. And she's fixing to basically go to leave, her, leave everything that's comfortable in home and behind. She's, she's, she's good to go after more. 
I, this is an interesting message because especially if you're new to, new to Christ or new to the faith or new, you're like, what do you mean something, leave something good to go after something God? Can I just say this? Your, your first step of leaving something good and going after something God, can I, did you know that the Bible says that sin is fun for a while? The, you mean, wait a minute, you mean to tell me sin feels good and is enjoyable for a while? Yep, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you have a, you, you got a pretty good life. You got a pretty good life without God. You got a great job, got some fancy muscles, got your little group, got your little group, your, little, your own little small group. It's not a church small group, but you got your own little group, got great friends. And you got a great small group of people and I don't mean this in a mean way, that are going nowhere. Everything about that is inward. It's about us. It's about our group. It's about fun. It's about making money. It's about climbing a corporate ladder. It's about all the things. And God's saying, look, you may have something good, but you need something, God. So this is not just a message for people who've been serving God and, and have some victories and, and now it's time to even go even further. No, your first step may be leaving something good. I'll just say in, in Midland America, we have it pretty good. You can have it pretty good and not have God. I'm just being honest with you. You can have it pretty good but not have God. And I just think the Lord's saying, hey, stop settling for good. Stop being okay with something good. Ask yourself this question. Where are, the, are there areas in your life that used to be, I mean, I, I'm thinking back to some myself, times where I had to have God show up. I was so frustrated. The season of my life, I had to have God show up. I had no idea what to do. I was frustrated. I was disappointed. I didn't have money. I didn't have, re- I didn't, whatever the, the different circumstances were. And why I tell you what, in those seasons, my prayer life was, I was coming to God. I was listening to podcasts day and night. I was praying. I was worshiping. I was in white hot pursuit of him. And then I got the answer. And all of a sudden, this white hot pursuit of God turned into, I'm good for now. I'll get back with you when things get bad again. Have things gotten good in your life? And now you've stopped taking risks. you stop pursuing you see that the hunger, the passion just doesn't seem to be there anymore. Has good stolen your passion for God? Has your good life and your good family and your good marriage and your good job and your good insurance benefits, and has your good life kept you from a God life, a risky life, maybe a risk at all in some ways? I just feel like the Lord's calling us to take bigger risks. Take bigger risks. Can I just say this? There, there's been seasons of our church where our, our church, since the day we started, and I'm just telling you the facts. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you the facts. Since the day our church started, we have done nothing but grow. I mean, just seemed like everything we did just worked. It just, it, nothing. I mean, it just, and I've, some of it I've been like, man, I don't know how this is happening. I honestly don't know why you're coming. Sometimes I'm an idiot, so I don't know why people are, keep coming. And there have been multiple seasons, and I'll be honest with you, we're in one right now where I felt like the Lord's saying, okay, I want, you to, I want you to shift the culture of the church, and I want you to go, 
Some of you were here a couple years ago and said, you know what? Things have been going great. We've been preaching Jesus, preaching grace. Okay, now we're fixing to start going after miracles every single Sunday. Let me just be honest with you. That's not an easy thing when it's like, hang on, Lord. I'm sure miracles are happening. Things are going good. We got great people. We got a great church. We're growing. Let's not, let's not, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Also known as, if it's good, just settle right there. Don't risk it all for something that could be gone. And I'm telling you, it was a nervous thing to say, oh, we're going after something. I don't know how to do this. I just see something in Scripture, and we have to go after it. It felt like risking it all. It felt like risking something really good. I feel the exact same way right now, if I'm just being 100% honest with you. Even, the, even this particular message, it's more teachy, and it's, it's a little stouter. It's like there's a little more meat to it, and, I'm, and, I, and I wrestle with things like, Lord, is this... Is this, is this okay? Is this, is this right? Is this going to bore people? Is there so many scriptures? Is this, what about jokes? Can I not make fun of me and my wife or something and get everybody laughing again? <laughs> it's risky. But can I just say this? When we started this church, we did it by faith. We did it by faith. We didn't, we didn't freaking know what we were doing. We did it by faith. When we went after miracles, we did it by faith. And you can't be moved by what could happen negatively. You have to be only, you can only be moved by what is God saying. There's always going to be a risk. Abram had such a risk. You mean walking away from all of this, leaving all of it? What if everybody gets offended? What if they do? What if my family, what if all of my family stops talking to me? What if they do? And can I just say this? Even taking a risk, even taking the wrong risk is better than taking no risk at all. Taking the wrong, I, I'm, I'm just telling you, I've watched, I've watched this happen in my own life. I've gone after things. I'm like, ooh, I got, I got something here. We're going after this thing. We're going after this thing. And it just crashed and burned. And I'm like, Lord, that didn't work out the way I thought that was going to work out. And it's like I would, the Lord would fix it anyway. It's like his grace would just cover it. We know this as parents. When our kids are trying to please us and they're trying to do something good for us, it, it could be the complete wrong thing, but we don't get mad at them for it. It blesses us. Why? Because they're going for it. We have to be willing to go for something God. Leave something good. Go for something God. If we ever want that, what the Bible talks about, his ways are higher than our ways. If you want that higher, if you want that more, if you want something different, you've got to be willing to risk the good to go after the God. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.